Well, you can be seated. Thank you for your wonderful participation in song, and thanks to Caitlin and the team for leading us in those carols. Uh, my name's Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge, and it's our joy and privilege to have you with us here on this Christmas Eve. And at this point in our morning, I want us to immerse ourselves in the Christmas story, but I will give you fair warning that this is not the Christmas story that you are used to or maybe that you grew up hearing, but it is the Christmas story nonetheless. So you see, when you think about telling a story, perspective or vantage point is important. When you think about what uh, perspective is the author trying to communicate and where are they standing to share that revelation with us. So if you think about, uh, for example, in our own country in this last year, in Canada 150, we've had an ongoing discussion about vantage point. Who gets to tell the story of Canada? And, and the story looks very different if you tell it as a 150-year-old story versus if you tell it from the perspective of our First Nations brothers and sisters who would stretch back further and have a different vantage point on the story of Canada. And so vantage point matters when you're telling a story. And if you think about the vantage point that is used in the gospel accounts, it matters to the story. So if you look at them, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, where we have a vantage point, a historical vantage point on Jesus' life and his birth. Matthew chooses to start the story of Christmas by looking back at family history and records and telling the story of how did Jesus come to be born and what's his ancestral line, his genealogy. Matthew's also the only one in his story that includes the vantage point of visitors from the East coming and also the murderous intentions and actions of King Herod and the family's escape or flight through the desert to Egypt. If you look at the Gospel of Mark, Mark is in such a hurry to tell his story that he actually doesn't even include the birth of Jesus in it. He just assumes it and begins telling his story when Jesus is an adult right with Jesus' baptism and temptation. And then we have what's perhaps the most familiar of the Christmas stories to us in Luke's writings. And you remember Luke is a physician. He's a doctor. And so he includes things that a physician would be interested in in telling the story. He's particularly focused on things like pregnancy and Mary's pregnancy and, and birth. And he gets very focused on things like what was the baby placed in after delivery. And he talks about the manger and these shepherds who showed up unwashed, prompted by an angelic appearance, bringing with them all of their germs into the medical delivery room and their stinky sheep smells. But if you think about John's gospel... John starts his account very philosophically and very theologically. In verse 14 of John 1, he says, The eternal word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and truth. And we have seen his glory, John says, the glory of the Father's one and only Son, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So those are the birth stories of Jesus we find in the gospel accounts. But... There's actually one more 
Christmas story in the New Testament. And it's told from an entirely different vantage point. This one is told uh, from the lens of pulling the, pulling the story way, way back, the narration. And it's Christmas told from a cosmic perspective. It's also written by John, but it's not found in his gospel. It's found in the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation. So it has that kind of poetic cadence that John used in his gospel. But it's, uh, we've been studying at Jericho Ridge this fall our way through the book of Revelation and this much maligned and much misused book. And if you've tracked with us, uh, you might have noticed that I skipped one chapter in our series. And that was chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12. And the reason I skipped it is because I wanted to save it for today because Revelation 12 is actually a Christmas story. But it doesn't unfold like any Christmas story you've ever seen or heard. And in this nativity story, there's three main characters. We have a woman who is Mary. We have a dragon who is Satan. And we have a baby who's Jesus. Now the woman is Mary. And here in this chapter, chapter 12, John reminds us and portrays her as resplendent in beauty and majesty. And he says she's pregnant and she gives birth. But the second character in the story is introduced right away and that is a dragon. And the dragon is the devil, Satan, the one who opposes God and all of God's purposes in the world. Satan is bent on evil and destroying and wreaking havoc in the lives of of humanity. And in this account, the dragon is as ugly as the woman is beautiful. And the dragon stands in front of the woman, ready, as she's ready to give birth, ready to devour and harm the baby. And then we see our third character in this Christmas story. That is the main character, Jesus. The woman Mary gives birth to a son who is to rule the nations. He's born to be a ruler, a king. He's born to rule the nations with a shepherd's rod, but it's a shepherd's rod of iron, a rod of great strength and power. And because the dragon knows this, as soon as the woman gives birth, as soon as the baby is born, the dragon attempts to attack, thinking this is a time of great weakness. But the child is snatched away in Revelation 12 and caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman flees into the wilderness for protection, is protected by God. And this is why, if we think about Christmas from a cosmic perspective, this is why Christmas is such a big deal for Christians. Because we believe that that baby lying there in a manger was not just another baby. That baby was the very God who created the stars, the king of all kings and Lord of all lords, the one who commands human history. The carol reminds us, which we'll sing in a few minutes, the king of kings lay thus in a lowly manger. And that's why in Revelation 12, what immediately begins to happen is a battle sequence. It means war. 
in Revelation 12, 7, it says, as soon as the baby was born, there was war in the heavens. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and his angels were forced out of heaven. The great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels from the language of the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. See, sometimes we, we talk about Christmas and that first Christmas as a time of peace on earth. We idealize it or we romanticize it. But in John's version of the Christmas tale in Revelation, it highlights something quite different for us. Author and poet Eugene Peterson says in his book, Reverse Thunder, the immediate consequence of the birth is not Christmas carols, but a great war spread across the heavens. Jesus' birth excites more than just wonder. It actually excites and animates evil in the world. Herod, Judas, Pilate. Ferocious wickedness is goaded to violence by this life, by this baby. Can a swaddled infant survive the machines of terror? Can promise outlast horror? We want the baby to live. We long for his rule. But is it possible in this kind of world? Peterson asks. Well, why bring up a vantage point like this on Christmas? Why tell this Christmas story? Why not keep Christmas cute and cuddly? Well, there's something that Revelation 12 is trying to help us understand and accept and embrace about reality. By pulling back the curtain on the first Christmas and helping us understand what's going on, we begin to understand more and more and more that why this baby was not just another baby. Because this baby was fully God and fully human, this baby's entrance into our world catalyzed something. It catalyzed this cosmic battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. The whole of the universe in John's narrative and revelation is at stake as these two sides go to battle for the fate of all of humankind. Now, where have we seen that kind of plot line in recent days? Take a guess. I'll give you a hint, a musical hint. Can you hear it? The forces of good versus the forces of evil in an epic battle. Dun, 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 dun. Bum. I can sing it if you want, but there's no lyrics, so it won't be very interesting for you. So the reason... Star Wars, good versus evil. And so we've uh, produced a slightly different nativity scene here for you to see and observe that highlights this for us. We have a Star Wars nativity scene because the manger scene really is a battle scene. It's a battle sequence. And we have replaced all of the figures in the nativity with figures from Star Wars because I want us to fix it in our minds that the manger scene is a battle. 
between good and evil. And the bad news for us is that this battle actually plays itself out, not in a distant galaxy far, far away or even a long time ago, but the battle of good versus evil plays itself out right here, right now, in our day and time, in our world. Today, in our world and in our own lives. If we think about and reflect back on the past year of 2017, I don't know what your year was like. Maybe you had a good year, but many, many people experienced brokenness in their relationships with each other or a difficult year. 2017 has seen incredible uh, challenges and damage to trust, to civility. Whole countries have been ravaged by hurricanes or flood or disasters. You've had unprecedented forest fires here in B.C., and so we think about our, our world, but the battle rages on, not just out there somewhere, but also in here, in each of our lives and in our hearts. Russian novelist and author who himself lived through the harsh experiences of a Russian gulag, a Soviet gulag, wrote about his experience and the experience of 200 other prisoners. And he famously said, you know, if only it were so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere out there insidiously committing evil deeds. And it was necessary only to just take those evil people and separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every single human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? The bad news is that the battle rages on. And it's not just out there somewhere. The dragon still fights, knowing that he has limited authority and limited time with which to carry out his evil schemes and plans. But the good news of Christmas is that we do know who ultimately wins. We do know how the story will end. That part is not up for grabs. The king who is born in the manger is the one who wins. Look what Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says. It says, the dragon has been defeated by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So this lamb image comes from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, a pure and spotless, guiltless one must be offered, must sacrifice themselves in order to save another. And John is telling us in this cosmic battle between good and evil, a definitive blow was struck. That the baby who was born in a manger grew up and he lived a perfect life. He died a death on the cross. And in that moment, Jesus absorbed the power and the worst that evil had to offer. And the Bible, as well as many, many Star Wars lines, and I'm highly resisting giving you spoiler alerts from the most recent movie, but you will have to trust me on it, that the Bible tells us there's no greater love than when a person gives up their lives to sacrifice, sacrificially, so that another can live. And in that moment, when Jesus willingly gave up his life to save you and me, when he rose again victorious over evil and death from the grave, he struck a death blow in evil. Evil was defeated. The power of evil to control your life was broken. And as Shannon's poem 
so beautifully and eloquently says on the inside of your program, so long ago a babe was born to save us all through sacrifice and salvation. Humanity did not fall. Just like the characters in the recent Star Wars movie highlight, you and I have to choose a side in this battle. Because when the universe is at war, you don't get the luxury of being a neutral party. You and I have choices to make about how we respond to the great sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Revelation chapter 12 says that if we want to choose to overcome, we do that by the word of our testimony. A testimony is a story. It's your story told from your vantage point. It's a story about your choices. Choices that you make in your life. And some choices that we make in our lives are minor. Like whether you remember to buy a chocolate orange and put it into the stocking for tomorrow morning. You still have a little bit of time if you're forgetting something. Not much. But some of these choices are, are slightly more significant. I love that here at Jericho, one of the things we choose to do every year is send a team down to Guatemala to work and relieve and alleviate poverty in the lives of people in that country. And so 13 people have chosen to get on a plane in March and go and distribute wheelchairs and build homes for people in Guatemala. They want to tell a better story. And so I want to ask you as we reflect coming into the end of 2017, what story is your life telling? If the way in which you overcome evil is the word of your testimony, your life is telling a story. What kind of story is being told? Choose wisely, you must. <laughs> if you're listening today and you would not identify as a Christian, one of the most significant choices that you have in front of you is how you want to respond to the greatest sacrifice, the greatest gift that was ever given, the sacrificial love that Jesus demonstrated when he left heaven and he came to earth and in that manger was born for you and for me. And you see, when you respond to that and you say yes to Jesus and when you invite him to be your forgiver and your leader, the manger scene can become for you a place where you declare allegiance and you pick a side. And then when you begin to experience peace and joy and love flooding into your heart where hurt and hatred have ruled and reigned. Let me pray for you as we continue in our time together this morning. Gracious God, we are so grateful for the way in which you have moved into our world and you have come and you have opened up the possibility for us to relate to you. And so we choose in this day and in this time to respond in faith. God, for those who have never made that choice, I pray that you would in their hearts, Father, just remind them, bring them to that place where they would say, yes, I want to choose a side. I want to declare my allegiance 
to the one who gave himself up for me. I want to respond to that great love. And so, Father, we pray uh, that you would see many people making that decision and choice all around the globe in this day and in this season. And Father, for those who have responded and said yes to you, Father, would you remind us again, Jesus, of your great love and great sacrifice for us? And would you remind us then to live out of that place of responsive obedience to that love? That we too, our lives would tell a story from the vantage point of those who are forgiven, those who are loved, those who then choose to extend that love and that grace and compassion to those around us. And so we do that with faith and with a deep reliance on you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we pray. Amen.